you know, the childhood that I had and leaving school so young and all the rest of it, I've never known what the right thing's supposed to be anyway. So I've always just made up my own rules. And so that was just, I was 100% convicted that that's what I was going to do. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of MartialArtsMedia.com, George Faree. Hi, this is George Free. Welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast, episode number six. Today, I have another great interview with Michelle Hicks. Now, I have to tell you, I, I don't, I'm not a big one on planning questions for my interviews. And I've had this turmoil with myself that I should be more prepared and I, I should structure my questions. But the reverse side of that is, then the conversation is structured. And because I don't know the person I'm interviewing very well, I'm, I, I don't even know, I don't always know what questions really to prepare. So I try and play it very off the cuff, which can be risky. Um, but I try not prepare at all because I know that the person I'm interviewing is going to say something that's just gold. And then I'm going to go down that path and dig deep in it. And today, after my interview, I've got to tell you that I'm really glad that I didn't have a structured interview because if I had a structured interview, I wouldn't have gone down, it, it wouldn't have gone down the path that it did and wouldn't have gotten the golden information that came out from this interview with Michelle Hicks. Now, I did have an intention in mind and the intention was to really focus on the niche side of having a martial arts school, having a martial arts business that focuses on a niche category, that being, a, well, in Michelle's case, focusing on a women's only taekwondo school. And that was the focus, but the conversation just evolved into big, uh, it, it just became a much bigger conversation about the mindset stuff and her deep transformations. And it's, it's true gold. From a business perspective, you are going to get a lot out of this interview. For the show notes and the full transcripts, you can go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash six. So that's the number six. And all the details are there for you. No reviews to read out today, unfortunately. But we would love your feedback. We'd love your comments. Bear in mind, every, every podcast show, you can leave comments right below the post. Also ask questions. If you do ask questions for the guests that I have, I'll make sure that they stop over and answer them for you. If you would like to leave us a review, five-star reviews are awesome because they help push our show up the rankings. But hey, an honest review is more than appreciated, of course. You can just follow the link on iTunes, which is at martialartsmedia.com forward slash six. That's it from me. Please welcome to the show, Michelle Hicks from The Art of Kicking Ass Elegantly. Good day, everyone. Today I have with me Michelle Hext. Now, Michelle has a vast background of experience that I really want to tap into here today. Um, starting, of course, with a fifth dan taekwondo master and own very niche-based martial arts school, which, schools, which is something we really want to dig into today as well. And then also the art of the book, The Art of Kicking Ass Elegantly. I like the elegantly 
hard, hard, hard falls in there. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool. So I guess we've got to rewind the clock and start at the beginning. So who is Michelle Hicks? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, so right now, I guess my main focus is, you know, I have a business that's thriving. and I love that. Um, but I'm really giving myself the gift of being a student in my martial art again at the moment. So uh, I've trained in Taekwondo 25 years and recently found an amazing instructor and I'm feeling very, very spoiled having good instruction. It's been many years since I've had uh, an instructor that I really felt was getting the best from me. So um, yeah, grading for my sixth degree next year. So really focused on that. I'm really enjoying that training. So that's one part of my life. Um, I'm also mum to um, a son who's 21 this month and I have an 18-year-old daughter as well, uh, but they moved out of home. So I'm an empty nester at 47, which I did not think was going to happen, but um, the house is a lot tidier and I have a lot more time on my hands. Awesome. Uh, I'm also an author of um, fourth book, four books, one's about to be released, and um, I'm an entrepreneur. Awesome. So the fourth book, and is that sort of in line with your, your previous one or is it in a different direction? It's really interesting, actually. The, the course of my books, the way they've evolved, it's kind of mirrored my life really over the last few years. And the first book I wrote in 2012, I think it was, it didn't get released until I think early 2014 or something like that, end of 2013 maybe. But um, that book was... Uh, Bulletproof Confidence and a Kick-Ass Body Through Martial Arts Training and Principles. And I had my women's only Taekwondo school. So it's, it was the first of its kind. It was a, an, an adult women only martial arts school. And we had pink walls and our badges were pink and our belts had pink embroidery. So it was very much um, a very niche school. And I wrote that book because I was really loving being in that space of teaching adult women. And obviously I couldn't reach everybody. And so that book was a way to let women know that they could be empowered through martial arts. And if they couldn't physically get to classes, then they, they could practice those principles. So I was very much in that space. And then the next book was uh, The Honourable Martial Arts Entrepreneur. And that was me basically saying every instructor should do this. Their niche doesn't necessarily need to be adult women, but who are they most passionate about? Who is it that uh, when that type of student is on the mat that lights them up, who is it that they love to teach more than anybody else? Because you can build a brand around that. And it means that rather than have... Um, you know, advertising, generic advertising that advertises to all ages and all genders and just looks the same as every other martial arts flyer in town, um, you were able to really cut through that by having a specific niche. So that book was all about how to do that. And then the third book, The Art of Kicking Ass Elegantly, uh, was me stepping back into working with female entrepreneurs and not just martial arts school owners. And it was a bigger conversation. It was about, it was written for women for female entrepreneurs who, you know, were struggling in their business but also didn't have much of life balance. And, you know, I'm the first one to say, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to have it all and have it all at the same time, but I, I think you can do it. You know, I think there are, if we simplify and we scale back, then there are ways that we can have everything that we want in our lives. And so that book was about there's a lot of mindset stuff in there. There's also strategy around how to grow your business as a female entrepreneur in a service-based business. 
And this next book is even more mindset driven because I know that many of the, the women that I work with in my current business, um, the biggest hurdle they have is themselves. <laughs> and so, you know, what I, what I say pretty regularly is that success isn't about necessarily the things you need to do, but the crap you need to remove <laughs> that's standing in the way between you so and success. True. Yeah. And so that book is really a, a focus towards that. Okay, so this, this whole author journey, what, I, what I'm hearing is it, it's sort of stepping stones in personal growth for you as such uh, from the confidence and then teaching only to, to uh, female students with your martial arts school and then growing to the bigger audience and then actually sort of almost coming full circle with the, the biggest obstacle being yourself and, and the whole mind thing. So going back to the first, the first book where you, where you talk about confidence, how, how did your martial arts journey play a role in that, in that confidence in the early days? Oh, look, it was everything for me. I mean, I think I was, I've always been very strong-willed and I've always definitely been very strong-willed um, in a big way. Um, but I grew up, you know, with domestic violence and sexual abuse and, and that kind of thing. And so... You know that sort of stuff holds you back a little bit in life until you until you figure out how you're going to deal with it. And I think I did a pretty good job of dealing with that and moving forward. And I was always ambitious, always driven because I knew that. Um, and I left school at 14. I was told that um, I wasn't. My parents weren't paying for me to go back to school the next year. Wow. So, yeah. So you can imagine it's like I'm looking at this situation, thinking I'm going to be a statistic unless I do something. So. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just, you know, perhaps I would be a keyboard player for Pseudo Echo that was on the list, <laughs> but I wasn't disciplined enough to keep practicing. But I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to really hustle and be determined if I didn't want to be a statistic. You know? was, and, was, sorry, was, was that sort of the exact turning point for you at, at a young age where you really, it's sort of, I mean, it, it's a bad thing that happened, but was it yeah. a big wake-up call, sort of a turning point for you where you took everything upon yourself with your own ambition? I didn't really, I guess, consider it. It's just the way that I rolled. You know, it was just the way that I dealt with things. But I think when I started, when I started my martial arts training and there was structure and discipline and I could actually see a way forward. So for me, you know, it was all about you start as a white belt and the next thing is a yellow belt and then from there it's another yellow belt and then it's another and there was such a clear direction and I knew that with this path open ahead of me and I knew what I needed to do, I knew I could do the work and I just got my head down and my bum up and I did the work. And through that process it helped me to see that, um, you know, I, I was able, I guess, safe. it was safe enough then for me to look at my life and the things that had happened to me and be able to say, wow, you know, I'm thankful for that because this is who I've become as a person. And, yeah. you know, it, before that I'd done big things. You know, I'd, I'd travelled over to the, the United States on my own when I was 20. Um, no one in my family had done that. Um, I was doing my pilot's licence. I'd been solo for about 20 hours or something like that. So I had tackled some big things, but it was kind of all random and all over the place. And but not really understanding the, you know, the gift that those life's challenges had given me um, in terms of the strength that it gave me and the way that I'm able to help people. Yeah, and Taekwondo opened all of that up. You know, the, 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 the way that I was able to help people, yeah, it was incredible. 
Oh, that's awesome. So how did that then progress? So progress into deciding, okay, I want to open my first school. How did all that come about? Well, I uh, started dating my instructor, as, as happens sometimes, and uh, we, I stepped into instructing very early on. So the, this club that I was at, um, the instructor had opened the school and all of us that were training were white belt. So he was the only one ahead of us. There was him, who he was third Dan at the time, I think, and everybody else was white belt. And I double graded very quickly. And I double graded all the way through pretty much. And um, so I had a strong role in the club from the beginning and I loved it. I just, I just thrived under that. And um, it wasn't long before I was, I was ambitious, very, very ambitious, and it frustrated the hell out of him, I'm sure, because I just wanted to run before I could walk the whole time. I look back now and I'm mortified, like it's not what it's about, but I was very ambitious and I just wanted to learn more, wanted to do more, thought I knew everything the minute I got my black belt, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I knew that's what I needed. To, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And so I was able to open my own um, club, and I think even in the early days, I think I ran, and it wasn't even happening back then. We're talking early 90s. I ran female-only classes even then um, in the mornings and things like that. And so for me, it was always going to be that direction. You know, it was always going to be instruction. I was very ambitious. So I had my first school when I was first Dan. Yeah. Okay. So I've been, yeah, I, I had schools. If I've been training 25 years, I would have had schools for 22 and a half of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, so, so I guess it was a, a, a natural progression then for you if you were already just doing women's classes to open a women's only school. What, what was you, were you, were you afraid of, of going so niche and just kind of just I mean, it, it's it's a big step. If you think it's already a big step to open a school and you've got to get as many students as you can, but what sort of inspired the whole going down that niche and just sticking to women's only? Well, luckily I'd had the experience of running a couple of online fitness businesses and I only targeted women. And for me, what I found so easy, so easy is when you only have one market market to target to, the message is so clear, you know, and it speaks to that market. And so I hadn't had schools for a number of years and I was training at somebody else's club and I just, I think I was grading for my fourth, fourth Dan, I was getting ready to grade for my fourth and I just thought I need to do this again, but I'm not going to do it the way that I did it before. I want to do it differently and I want to test it. It didn't feel like a big step. It just felt like this is absolutely what I need to do. Um, and I always do what I want to do. You know, I, I'm not ever bowed by pressure or what is supposed to be the right thing to do. And I think the fact that, you know, the childhood that I had and leaving school so young and all the rest of it, I've never known what the right thing's supposed to be anyway. So I've always just made up my own rules. And so that was just I was 100% convicted that that's what I was going to do. Um, and so I did it. And the only, I think, regret I had is that when I opened, I decided that I would um, teach adult women and girls. But my passion for teaching kids had long gone. Um, my passion, you know, I, I love kids and, you know, I see them around Taekwondo schools and I, I, I love that they're there. But for me, it wasn't about teaching martial arts. It was about the impact that I was having. 
and I was having big impact with these women, you know, the, the confidence that was growing, the fact that they were leaving abusive relationships, the fact that they were going out and starting businesses and all that sort of stuff that they hadn't done before they started training with me. That's what it was all about for me. And so I had this big children. I had, I think, three kids' classes running and I didn't want to teach them anymore. And I, you know, I was running out of instructors to do, you know, I, I didn't want to deal with instructors as well that were calling in sick at the last minute and things like that. It took all the fun out of it for me. And for me to have another school, because I had another online business running as well, it needed to be, it really needed to be a passion project and something I was really passionate about. And so I had to let the kids' classes fade away. I, I continued to teach those kids until you know, the natural course of events occurred and, and they either went off or went into the adult class and then it was all about the adult women and that was very, it was so powerful. That club was so, so powerful, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like it wasn't really a business that you, you weren't really passionate to scale it because the whole satisfaction of the business was coming from you being able to have this impact, positive impact on, on all these women. Is, is that about right? Yeah, look, I had visions to scale it in the beginning. I had visions of push schools all around the place and we'd have our own push Olympics and, you know, we'd have training camps around the place. I had a vision for that. But I outgrew bricks and mortar business very quickly and I just was doing so many exciting things in my online business and my other consulting business that I just felt tied to it. And when I knew, and I wasn't getting instruction myself as well and I was dying as a martial artist, and every time I was on the mat, I was an instructor and I wasn't a student. And I really wanted that for me. I wanted to be a student. And I also wanted to, to do bigger and better things. And it was a very sad day, for sure, um, to let that go. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> good. Because, yeah, because it's, it was a beautiful... Um, school and the women were so amazing obviously still affects me um but I haven't really regretted the decision because um I'm still impacting women and I'm still empowering women and I'm leading by example and sure. yeah for sure so well I mean it's that's impressive I mean you've you've really just it's not like you've lost any of your impact. I, I know it's probably different because that was a lot more. Um, but I guess the one, well, well, then again, even you that you have an online business, it sounds like your coaching is very personal and, and your public speaking and so forth. But, um, I mean, having that impact with people face-to-face and so forth, there's, it, it obviously, as I can see, it, it, it meant a lot to you. But um, then again, you've, you've really evolved and you've, you've although like I interview about the martial arts, martial arts aspect, there's so much more to it. And I really want to get to that level because even if we take this conversation away from the martial arts aspect, is yeah. the mindset and things that, that you've evolved to is something that can be applied all the way down. And oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's a bigger conversation, you know, it really is. And um, the... Yeah, I mean, you're not. I'm not on the mat sweating with them anymore, which is the the part that I miss. But I'm loving being a student. I'm loving that. And as you say, you know, it's the mindset stuff and the lessons that I've learned through martial arts filter through everything that I do, and um, it has an impact. It definitely has an impact. And um, 
you know, sharing my story as well helps people to see that it doesn't matter where you start, you know, if you've got the will and you're willing to do the work um, and you've got the vision above anything else because you can work but not get anywhere, but you've got to have such a strong vision and such conviction that you're able to achieve it. And if you can get those things together, then you can achieve anything. It doesn't matter where you start. Is it like, how do you, and, and I know because you've, you've, you've mentioned a few things here, like structure and, and so forth, but is there sort of one thing that you really, when you look at martial arts, how it is impacting a life and how, how it transforms your life to shape things and, and move on to, to other things as such? Yeah, look, there's just the, you know, the discipline of showing up day after day after day, training session after training session after training session when you're hurt, you're banged up, you know, you have to spar that person that you don't even want to have to deal with, you know, (laughs) all that sort of stuff. And that stuff just shapes you. And at the time it feels like hell, but it's when you look back on that stuff, you know, I trained seven days a week. I remember going down to train under Mr. Chung, who was our head instructor, And Saturday morning classes, it was a black belt class. I was blue belt. I'd been training 12 months and it was just hell. You know, I never slept the night before and we used to have to drive an hour and a half to get there and it started at eight in the morning. Um, And then that was on a Saturday and then Sunday I was training with the state squad. Same deal, you know, the girls in my division trying to take my legs out every session if they weren't trying to knock my head off. And it's just, you know, I remember (laughs) thinking, I signed up to this thing to help me deal with my stress. You know, now I've got more of it. But, you know, the, the, you just rise to every challenge, you know, and it doesn't always feel like you're winning. It doesn't feel like you're winning because you're filled with fear sometimes. And for me, the fear of losing was massive. You know, I could not lose, couldn't lose a point. It was, you know, I was so just about winning. And um, so you never really feel like you're winning you know, you feel like you're always behind the eight ball because that person got that point or you lost that fight or, um, you know, you weren't as switched on or you didn't have the, the amount of energy that you wanted for that sparring session or you went into that with a fearful thought. So you never, ever feel like you're winning, you know. It's only when you look back on it and you think, wow, you know, I'm so glad that I had that experience because it shaped me. And when I had my girls' school, um, one time some of them wanted to compete, so I took them along to a big Melbourne club where they had an open mat sparring class and I just had hip surgery so I couldn't participate and the girls were on the mat and the look of pure fear on their face. Well, we used to spar in in class and it was pretty hard but it's not the same as when you go into an environment that's filled with competitors who are getting ready for the next nationals or whatever and the fear on that and they would look at me and I'm like just get your ass on the mat and you just do what you came here to do sort of thing and afterwards there were tears and everybody was like I can't believe how hard that was and it's like I used to do that every week you know twice a week as well as the sparring in class and it's like and that's why that's why I have the mental fortitude that I have and the internal strength and those women even though they were you know some of them I think were in shock when they were coming out of it and but they all just value that experience so much because it showed them, you know, that they had to put, you know, there was no out. They had to do it. And, um, yeah, it was an incredible, they all really value that experience. I felt very guilty actually at the time because I thought I'd prepared them enough, but I don't think anything prepares you for that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they valued it in the end anyway. Awesome. Now, you, you mentioned something 
and I might put you on the spot for this. Go for it. But you, you I've mentioned... already tried what else could happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. So you, you mentioned fear of losing. Now, there's the opposite of that, the fear of winning. And yeah. as ludicrous as that sounds, a lot of people have the fear of winning. And, and it's, it's, I know for me it's a personal hurdle that I've always had to uh, – deal with is I would reach a point and I would almost I would almost destruct what I've created for the actual fear yeah. of winning. Now you do coaching and high level coaching and you big on the mindset stuff. How do you deal with that? Yeah, you know, I'm not convinced that it's actually a fear of winning. What I think is I think it's two things. I think there's a fear so one of my clients that I was coaching today She's very excited about a business taking over, but then she said, but I also don't want to, you know, be a bad mum because if it gets busy, then it means this. And so what she failed to recognise was that she gets to write the rules. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to mean one or the other. So it's not really being clear about the fact that you get to write the rules and do it your way. So it's a push and pull a lot of the time. So the fear isn't the fear of being successful because that really doesn't make sense. But it's like, what do I have to give up? To, to achieve that success. So it's working out that bit in the middle. It's working out what am I really fearful of? Because success, it's nothing to fear from success. Is it because you feel like you're going to lose your anonymity if it means you're going to be famous or whatever? Does it feel like you're going to lose the time that you have with your family? So it's not about the success. It's about the stuff you're going to have to sacrifice. And then there's another side to that, which is not so much the fear of success, but the fear of not giving it 100%. And so what that means is if you give something that you're so passionate about and means so much to you, if you give that 100% and you fail, what's left? So if we say, oh, you know, I could have done more, but, you know, I, like I, you know, it, it just didn't work out. But if you, if you give it 80%, you can just be like, well, you know, but if I gave it everything, you know, then I'd succeed. And you've got that up your sleeve a little bit, that, that if. So if I give it everything, then I'll succeed. But if you really give it everything, there's a lot to lose. So it's getting to the point of just saying, you know, you have to create that win-win situation with that. For sure. Interesting because it's always um, on the other side as, as well. I mean, you, you, could, you could have both. I mean, you could, you could still be a great mum and – you could still have the success you want. You don't have to. You don't have to always sacrifice the one. It's. I guess it's more the internal conversation that you have that there has to be. You. You can't be both. I can. I can't be successful and be a good mum. People have so much crap the rules that they've created for themselves that they don't even realise the rules that they've created for themselves. So you know, for me, it used to be things like um, I can't eat. You know, and I don't have like any eating issues or anything like that. But it was like, oh, if I'm going to train, I have to eat this. And then I, I can't eat that before this. And I can't, and you know, and years later, I'm not training to that same extent. And I still had a lot of these rules around my meals and stuff like that. And one day I went, um, this makes no sense anymore. So, you know, and then I pulled it apart and realized that, oh, this is just a leftover habit. It actually doesn't need to be that anymore. And also, you know, in building my business and the way that I help the women that I work with build their businesses it's, it's really about working out what do you want because you get to write the script here and 
So for me, you know, I remember um, I had coaching clients Monday through Friday and I might have two on a Monday morning and then one on a Monday afternoon and one on a Tuesday lunchtime and it was just random. And I realized one day, this is not how I want it to be. And then I remember asking, asking myself the question, well, how do you want it to be? It's like, I just want to do two days of coaching. I've only coached two days um, for the last 18 months. You know, it's just like, oh, maybe we just put them on. The, but what if people can't? And it's like, they'll just work it out, <laughs> you know? So it was just getting clear about what I wanted and everybody else fell in. It's just the way that it worked. And so setting the intention about what you want and removing any rules. So, and making sure that, because sometimes rules are okay, but they've got to still be relevant and they've got to still fit. So for her to say, you know, success means this, we had to actually pull that apart and go, well, does it really? Does it really mean that? So let's just work out if this is reality or if it's something you've made up in your head. And we worked out it wasn't reality. It was just an old habit left over. And it happens with us all the time. So what are those first steps you'll take? Because if, if somebody comes to you and they are, in, and I would say messed up, but because that, I don't know, messed up maybe sounds wrong, but you, you have whatever obstacle you have that you're facing. What, what are the first steps that you take to break through those barriers? I put things in perspective pretty quickly because you said it, you know, people come and they think they're messed up. They think they've got so, you know, I'm so messed up and I can't do this. And, you know, I messed up and this is what's holding me back. And, and a lot of the time it's like one sentence that I'll say that is just, you know, like, oh my God, I never thought of it like that. And it's just because I have the perspective that they don't have. We're all so close to our own stuff and someone shining a light on it and looking at it from a completely different perspective is often all they need to get them thinking in a different way. Um, so the first step is really me hearing and being really listening to what's going on underneath the conversation. And often when someone's talking to me about the challenge, it's usually a justification of something. And it's fear-based. It's usually always fear-based. So I'm trying to work out where's the fear Where's the fear? Because that's what we've got to the bottom of, what we've got to get to the bottom of. So I'll let them talk and let them talk and I'll be observing what's going on, but listening for the undertones and just having done this for so long now and, you know, dealt with my own stuff as well, you know, I can see things pretty clearly. So it's just, you know, it's having the courage to have those tough conversations with people because sometimes it's, you know, sometimes I think, why do I have to be the one to have to have these conversations? (laughs) Because, you know, it's going to make someone really uncomfortable. But it's, it's necessary because without it, they don't grow. Without it, they yeah. stay stuck. Yeah. Do you, do you feel you sort of see a sense of relief when people address it head on and, and, and see, okay, wow, I didn't think of that? Yeah, definitely. Or, or is it more painful? Is it more painful to? Never more painful. It's never more painful. Um, yeah, I haven't had an experience where it's been more painful. It's more um, definitely relief okay and then what would what would the next step be so you've you've addressed you've addressed the obstacle the problem the fear-based agenda whatever it is now what's what's your next step for a person to really discover where it is they want to go and how they're going to get there yeah so the next question is always how do you want it to be and then normally with any clients that i speak with I send them a visioning tool. I've created this visioning visioning tool where it helps us 
a number of coaching questions and gets them to, at the end of it, create a picture of what their ideal day looks like. And then from there we build it out because if they can't see it in their mind first, um, they're never going to be able to achieve it. So I help them create a really strong vision and sometimes those visions will come back and I'm like, okay, so you're thinking about this big, I need you thinking this big because they're, they're so limited by their self-belief that they can't even think bigger. And then so sometimes, yeah, it does take a couple of goes when I'm looking or sometimes, so the visioning tool, I had them write it into the future. So it's, it's what's today, the 1st of September. So I'll have them, if I was coaching someone today, I'd have them write it with the date, the 1st of September, 2017, like it's already happened. Some people can't even get their head around that. And I, I'm telling them, write your ideal day. And I'm like, but this sounds like the day you've got. And they're like, yeah, well, yeah, it is. It'd be perfect if, you know, this happened. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, so sometimes they can't even think big enough. They're so restricted by their own limitations that they can't even think bigger than that. So sometimes it's a matter of asking the right questions to, to, to try and get them to open up and see what's possible. Does that almost create more discomfort in a way? It creates excitement. Yeah. Because it creates, it's, you know, there's that, and we, I've experienced it myself recently. I looked at, you know, I have my vision that I read every day and I was reading this thing and I'm just skimming through it and it hit me. You've been living this for 12 months, so this is hardly a compelling vision anymore. It's a nice story, but it's actually happened. So I was like, oh, crap, okay, this is why I'm feeling a bit bored. So I had to go big, 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 and that was you know, just put my rules, what, is, what do I want life to look like? What is, what, what, if I woke up this morning and had the choice to do anything that I wanted to do and be anywhere that I wanted to be, where would that be and what would that look like? And I start from there and then I build back. And that's in motion at the moment, you know. And the, the vision stuff is so important. It's so important because without it, um, you're not going anywhere. And if it's not a big enough stretch, you become bored. You know, there are so many people that I know and they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot I set that goal. So well, it can't have been that exciting for you, can it? And it's not, it's got to be the goal, the, the way that I talk about setting goals is the stretch has to be that it's so big that you haven't been able to achieve it before, but you know that if you do all the things that you know you're supposed to do and if the cards all fall the right way, it's doable, it can happen. So that's the stretch goal. It's not so big that it's never going to happen. It's not like... I'm taking my business from 2000 a month to $2 million by the end of the month. It's, you know, I'm not saying it can't happen, but, um, you know, if you don't think that's realistic, you'll never, ever take the first step towards it. So it's making sure that it feels really doable. And then if you can, if you can stay there and you can get that balance right, then that, that's when it will work out. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. And, and that process will be a lot of, obviously dealing with those self-beliefs because it's easy to put yourself there and then gradually just pull yourself back and is it possible, is it not? Yeah, it's that constant, as I say, it's that push-pull. So you've constantly got to be alert for um, the pull. You know, when it's dragging you back, you've got to constantly be on alert to that. And, you know, I always say that the, the biggest tool any entrepreneur can have or any martial arts school owner can have or any martial artist can have is self-awareness. You know, if you, you're aware of your own crap, 
um, you know, and you know you've got to, you know, you, you've got to be alert to it because it's always there. It doesn't matter who you are or how evolved you are or how rich you are or how awesome your life is. It's still there. There's this um, new level, new devil, you know, and it's so true. You know, I've had a business that, you know, where I was struggling, you know, I struggled for many, many years. And then in 12 months, it went to multiple six figures, you know, and, and the same stuff's still there. It's not any different. It's just bigger. <laughs> so, awesome. yeah, yeah. So what do you do on a day-to-day basis to keep you motivated and keep yourself on track? So I have a, a process that I do every single morning. So the first thing I do when I wake up is I jump on social for a little bit. My business is built around social media. And so I'm on there and I'm chatting with people from overseas and stuff like that. And it's sort of a bit of a play for about half an hour. And then I start to journal. And the journaling is just um, how I want the day to be, anything that's um, bothering me. I sort of work through that stuff and then I read my vision and then I create my daily actions based on that. So I read my vision, check in with my goals, and then my action is inspired by that. So then I write my to-do list and I'm excited before the day's even started. So that's, you know, I'm up at five o'clock and, you know, that's all done by seven. You know, I take my time. There's no rush. So I take my time in the morning, have a cup of coffee um, and just really give myself that time. So I call it, you know, it's just getting aligned. And so what people, um, biggest tool, tip I guess that you can give is if someone doesn't feel like doing something, there's no, if you don't feel like exercising, there's no point forcing yourself to do exercise when you don't feel like it. So you have to get yourself in the mindset where you feel like it you know, listen to something and look at some stuff on Instagram or whatever the hell it is that inspires you, get excited about it and then go do it. Don't try and force yourself to do things if you're not inspired. And writing's a good example as well. If I'm sitting there and uninspired to write, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. But if I read what I've written already or I go back and I read the first chapter of one of my first books and I get excited about that, it's like, yes, you know, so get inspired before you take the action. If you're not feeling motivated, don't try and make yourself do it from that space. Do whatever it takes to get aligned and motivated and then, then do the work. All right, excellent. Michelle, it's been an awesome conversation and I'm actually glad it, it went where it did. You know, my intention obviously was talking martial arts and then we took on a path that I just couldn't ignore and it was inspiring for me and I'm sure for anybody listening, it's, it's going to be awesome as well. Thank you. Uh, be, before we round things up, so you've got you've got a program that that you have the your your coaching program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What it is that you do and offer? Yeah, I guess probably. So the, the business that I have, which is the art of kicking ass elegantly, I've got an online program. Um, I have a live mastermind program as well. Each of those programs run for twelve months, and it basically takes business owners from. Um, you know, they're struggling, they can't quite get traction, they're still a little unclear and it takes them through over 12 months a step-by-step process to create, you know, a six-figure business for for service-based businesses. Um, So there's that and that's really for female entrepreneurs. I do have female martial arts school owners and um, fitness professionals in that program because it fits perfectly for them. But I'm actually um, working in partnership with an awesome man called Paul Veldman um, he has Kando Martial Arts, and we're partnering together now to release a new product in October called Martial Arts Business Success. And it's basically all of the stuff that I teach in my programs 
um, and more. Plus, Paul brings a whole other side to it. Um, so the, the, it's basically every month a new, a new martial arts business tool will be released. So my specialty is in branding and marketing and positioning, creating um, campaigns, and it's all that side of things, whereas Paul's very great at retention and um, business systems and all that sort of stuff. So he's, he's great at all the stuff I'm crap at. And um, I'm good at stuff that he's probably good at too. But, um, you know, I, I, this is my bread and butter. This is what I do. So it's how to get leverage on social media, how to, um, you know, position yourself in a market, all the branding sort of stuff. So we're launching that in October. And what I'm excited about with that program is we're launching it at the um, introductory price of $67 a month. And if people lock in that price, the price never goes up. It never changes anything like that. Uh, and there's also my program, the Honourable Martial Arts Entrepreneur Program, um, is going to be a bonus. That's something that I was selling for $200, so that's going to be the bonus as well. And so part of this membership, every month there's no contracts or anything. We want people to stay because they love what we're doing. But every month we're going to release a new um, packet, we're calling it, so it'll be a whole module on one particular subject that's going to help them grow or manage their business, and then we'll run a couple of live calls within that as well so they have access to us and a Facebook group. So that's Martial Arts Business Success. We don't have a website just yet. Um, it's being built as we speak, but we have a, a Facebook group, which is Martial Arts Business Success. Okay, great. So once once that's released, we'll update the show notes and I make sure oh, the link great. is live. But for the meantime, if somebody wants to get hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so they can go to theartofkickingasselegantly.com. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome, Michelle. It's been great chatting to you. I'll hope to check you, you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. And there you have it. Thanks again, Michelle Hicks, for coming on the show. How good was that? From going one point and discussing, trying to go down the route of discussing the martial arts journey, and it just went onto a whole other deeper level, which I didn't expect. And uh, thanks again to Michelle for opening up and and really sharing her passion with true emotion and sharing all the obstacles she went through and transformations that came as a result through applying what she learned in her martial arts training. That's it from me. We'll tune back again next week with another show. Remember the show notes are at martialartsmedia.com forward slash six. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, any questions about what it is that we talk about, any questions about our services for martial arts school owners, or any suggestions for interviews, anybody that you would like to hear from on the show, if, or if that is you, please get in touch. You can go to martialartsmedia.com and just click on the contact form, get in touch with me, and we'll take it from there. Thanks again. Have an awesome week. I'll chat to you soon. Cheers. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.